Thank you everybody if you're watching. If you're not watching, I won't know, but hopefully you will be. Um, we're here on our first Nudge Education podcast, and I've got Brian Mayer, the lovely people Brian Mayer, Jessica, and Claire. You got a surname thrown in there as <laughs> an extra. Do you look and say hello or something? Hello. <laughs> Let's try and make this awkward, okay, everyone? And we're here to talk about something really, really important, which is um, probably something that may have come across your radar as a professional. And by the way, we can all look at each other. It's, this is a very formal thing, okay? They will be mostly listening to us and occasionally looking at that. So it's a thing that probably affects more young people than you realise. It's um, it's been talked about quite uh, quite a lot up in Scotland, and in fact, that the diagnosis of such a condition is outnumbering the diagnosis of autism. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, at yeah. this particular point. And there's loads of work being done by central government, which I'm sure Claire will, will talk to us about, that is um, kind of bringing this to the surface of professionals. Now, we're here with experts. One, Claire, you're a mother, adoptive mother of... Three, three teenagers, yeah. All of which are experiencing what what we're talking about. What we're talking about. Yeah. Jessica, you are doing a PhD in yeah. this thing that we're about to talk about. I am. Cool. Yeah. So it's it's called fetal alcohol syndrome disorder, and um, spectrum disorder. <laughs> it's very important to get that right. So yeah, <laughs> fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Right. Why well, don't we start by um, introducing yourselves um, and we'll take it from there. So my name's Claire and I am an adoptive mum of three teenagers who all have a diagnosis of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Yeah, I think I'm saying the wrong thing. Um, And so my journey with my kids um, was kind of nearly 10 years in education before there was any kind of a diagnosis so that I would say is probably the the most common cause of a problem because um, it's a diagnosis like like any other diagnosis of something like diabetes, like epilepsy and a diagnosis that you live with, you adjust your surroundings to it. So um, I think um, my angle is coming from when things haven't gone right in education. Okay, cool. And what about you, Jessica? Um, I'm doing my PhD, focusing on FASD as you said, uh, looking specifically at new ways to engage them in education and developing educational interventions that suit the needs of these individuals and reframing that educational experience so that um, so that they're experiencing it, so that they're enjoying it, so that they're gaining something um, from education. And yeah, I just find it really fascinating. Just before we uh, start recording, you we were throwing some ideas about what you wanted to call a podcast series, um, and you came up with a spotlight on FASD. What? Why specifically that moment? Because we're so determined. Because we uh, the, the biggest, the only, the only downside FASD, in my opinion, is the stigma surrounding it, and it's in the shadows, and it's something that a lot of professionals don't even want to talk about. It's a little bit uncomfortable, and it's got. Um, just the awful stigma and so we want to shine a very positive a very can-do spotlight on FASD it is what it is it is there it exists let's deal with it properly and let's give all of uh, our children and young people who who have it who live with it every day let's give them the best opportunity in education Mm. good I mean 
F-A-S-T, I mean, I particularly struggle to pronounce those things, but it's, it's basically um, a set of difficulties or behavioural difficulties or presentations that a child may present that has resulted from a mother drinking alcohol during pregnancy. Is that, so can you talk me through what, what is fetal alcohol spectrum disorder? Is it, is it just the mother? Does it pass on through... Well, as well. Well, yeah. talk, we were talking about this. There's some fascinating well, stuff yeah. coming out at the minute, yeah. Yeah. So if we go, if we go there first, uh-huh. what is fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, and where does it come from? And why haven't we seen? You know, why is it that just now we're coming to understand it? So it's, so. it's a condition. It's it's a neurological, neurodevelopmental condition that is a result of prenatal alcohol exposure. So it's when a child has been exposed to alcohol in utero. Now that's not necessarily to um, significant levels, mm. which is what I think a lot of people believe when they hear about FASD and they start to think so about So they think it. that it's about like binging. Uh, so or, or, alcoholic. Yeah. or alcoholics. Yeah. And it's, it's or, not, mm-hmm. nothing, nothing. So it like could happen that. to any, anyone at any kind of social class. Is, uh, is any level of alcohol sort of able to impact and, and, and affect, I guess, the fetus in, in formation? It, it can, and so it, it can. So, and what we, the, what we don't know, we don't know if there is any safe limit. So, because we don't know that, the only safe thing to do is, is, is no alcohol exposure. Mm. Um, however, I think around 50% of pregnancies are unplanned. So this is where we need to remove the stigma. There are so many women who are pregnant and don't realise that they're pregnant and will carry on drinking alcohol like yeah. they would in their normal normal lives. And it's just it, that that is just a, a, an, a, an accident that would happen when they didn't know that they were pregnant. Okay. So to answer your question about um, different kind of... Um, it's every walk of life that, that are exposed right. to, to this. I guess there's a probability yeah. involved, isn't it? You know, you have one drink, you've got a one in it, whatever percent chance you have... 100 drinks, obviously mm-hmm. that increases, yeah. but you know, it, it, it's quite, well, it's very interesting the fact of the, the stigma you see is attached to it, yeah, because you know, a lot of people who have children with this disorder probably wouldn't be what you would stereotypically think of somebody yeah. being alcohol. We, we, we were having a conversation earlier about how if you were at dinner with a visibly pregnant woman, you probably wouldn't hesitate going, oh, careful, there's soft cheese on there, careful. Yeah. You, you would be totally comfortable with this because you know that that's not... Or fish or could, something. Yeah, it like could yeah, potentially yeah. be dangerous to, to, to your mm. unborn baby. But no, I don't know anybody who yeah. would feel comfortable going, careful, that's Prosecco. Yeah. Mm. They just wouldn't do it. And so oh, what we want to do, you know, we don't want to be any right or wrong in it. We just need yeah. to get to the point where it's like, oh, you know... Like, it's the, quite mixed as well, isn't it? Yeah. You don't often hear, like, some say, oh, it's okay if you have one. You know, like... And Obviously, there are still medical professionals saying that, yeah, and that's the danger. There yeah. are still GPs saying, actually, it's all right. And, and you know, there is a, there, there is a te- if you think you've got 40 weeks of gestation mm-hmm. and, and all the incredible things that are happening at, on every day mm-hmm. of those 40 weeks, and there's a chance because you'll know someone who can have a few drinks mm-hmm. and be under the table and someone have a, yeah. a bottle and it hasn't really impacted yeah. them. So mm-hmm. every single human processes alcohol differently. Yeah. Um, so th- there's so many different factors and you know there's no getting away from the fact that it is the western world's number one cause of learning disability and it is 100 percent preventable okay let's go back to the definition though mm-hmm. jessica yeah. you were on halfway on a half a flow there and i interrupted you 
probably forgive That's me first fine. of all. That's fine, of course. Well, it's a conversation. Well, there so, you go then. Yeah. Can we carry on with yeah. that definition? So it's... So, uh, I found something interesting. Okay. That I'm going to read. So I was, I was showing Claire this earlier. So we go all the way back to 1973. 73 is when um, the term, or well, this condition was first identified from a, a medical perspective. And one of the first articles published about it, the abstract reads, eight unrelated children of three different ethnic groups, all born to mothers who are chronic alcoholics, have a similar pattern of craniofacial, limb and cardiovascular defects associated with prenatal onset growth deficiency and developmental delay. Mm. So that's how they were talking about it back what, then. What and they were real? very, very extreme no. cases. It meant that the doctors were starting to see um, developmental delays with children that were born to these um, alcoholics and and there was there was physical signs that there was something there mm. now we don't we don't talk about it in that way and the national clinic for FASD in the UK um, so they say fetal alcohol spectrum disorder describes a group of conditions that can develop when somebody has been exposed to alcohol in the womb the spectrum, so FASD is a spectrum um, of disorders, includes a range of diagnoses including alcohol-related neurodevelopmental disorder and fetal alcohol syndrome. So fetal mm. alcohol syndrome is what I feel most people will have heard of. That's, and that's, you know, that's probably the one that comes to mind, which is still diagnosed in England and globally. But fetal alcohol syndrome is where these um, the physical features of FASD come into it, and that's what they were talking about in the 1970s. So it's yeah. really evolving. And what about practically speaking, as in, you know, like you've got a child whose who's mother was drunk during, during pregnancy, then the child's born. And it's, it shows symptoms. What what can you what can you observe? What typically can you observe in a child that that could have the condition? This this is where the link with education. This is why education is vital because chances are you won't really see many difficulties until you hit education. So you have you have a spectrum of mild to serious. Yeah, yeah, you know exactly the same as autism. You've you've got a huge spectrum, yeah. and you might have um, a child that's um, a little bit boisterous, and and it's it's very difficult to unpick at a small age, mm. um, unless you've got quite severe facial features. But they are like what's the percentage? They about ten percent. About ten percent of cases have those facial features, um. So you might not have a clue. Like I didn't have a clue what what you what you're dealing with. So essentially, you could have children with brain damage, lifelong irreversible brain damage. Because let's not beat around the bush. That's what it is, mm. um. And you don't know. So. So it's irreversible brain damage caused yeah. mm-hmm. by the consumption of alcohol yeah. during pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is there any way to test for it pre? You know, in the same way that some conditions... There's no, there, there is no test, there is no actual no. test. Again, a diagnosis comes from a, has to come from a group of, of disciplines. Um, but a, but a diag- unless, um, like I say, unless there's the real physical side of it, um, 
chances are a diagnosis mm-hmm. does but but what we do know is the earlier the diagnosis the better the outcome yeah. because um there are some sobering statistics around because so one of the biggest the biggest problem i feel in my experience with fasd are the secondary mental health problems that mm. result from you not knowing what you're dealing with and not dealing with it appropriately. And that's probably not just to the child, right? I guess parents and schools oh, and mm-hmm. professionals would be kind of oh, out of their depth. Not oh, understanding. Ab- absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat> so you have a child in a class with 29 other children and you don't know <clears throat> that, that what you're dealing with. But even if you do know what you're dealing with, teachers just are not prepared and it's and, and this is the this to me this is the exciting part of it it's not difficult it's not difficult to handle a child with fasd different properly and safely for them it's just different and but what it often looks like you you literally flip on your head flip yeah <laughs> flip discipline. from your from your experience Claire of being an adoptive mother of three, mm-hmm. what kind of symptoms? What do you what do you observe in your children? If that's okay to talk about, no impulsivity, control, like no, no filter, no impulsivity, control. That that looks fun. Jump off, jump off it. That could be the top of the stairs. Let's see how fast we can get this chair down the stairs. Um, oh, what's that over there across two roads? Um, so very very similar to ADHD, very very similar to SD mm. and autism, mm. and and there's there's something called a Coventry grade, and the the symptoms overlap hugely between yeah. all of those things. Coventry grade. Yeah. That's... We'll make sure we get all of that uh, those links to you guys mm-hmm. um, somewhere. Yeah. So there was a couple of definitions there. Yeah. Yeah. Paper, mm-hmm. And I, I think yeah. the Coventry grade is quite useful for professionals who maybe feel like. They're a little bit overwhelmed if, if they're trying to deal with a child with FASD because, mm-hmm. if anything, all it does is, is say, this is why you are overwhelmed. They have every characteristic of ADHD, um, three quarters of ASD, a third of OCD, you know, it's all mixed in. That's cool. So, poor impulse control, emotional yeah. regulation, that kind yeah. of stuff. What about when it comes down to, like, education and what kind of things would you... What is it? What is it? What is typical? If, if attention. Attention. Yeah. Hyperactivity. Yeah. Sensory issues. Sensory. That's huge. Overload in the That's classroom. Huge. Mm. Yeah. So they get, they kind of disassociate. They detach, or do they? The flip of it, the fight or flight. Yeah. What? They, yeah. Because they, 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 yeah. they call, they call us all. The hormones are all out of whack. So the it sort of affects girls very differently as well, and the cortisol is already overloaded. Like stress, the yeah. stress hormone. It's already yeah. overloaded. So where our saturation point may be here, theirs is there. So we'd need to get all the way there to go over. Mm. Theirs is just a tiny thing. But an FASD brain typically will pick up verbally every third word you are saying. So a teacher at the front of a classroom giving a very simple, straightforward instruction their brain is picking up every third word. If that instruction goes well, long, five longer than a few sentences, That's it, lost they it. start to panic. So internally they're panicking, thinking, no idea what I'm meant to do now. So well, that will prevent them from, yeah. from optimal so functioning. Then just, so yeah, they won't be able to respond to the basic... FESD children in a mainstream setting where adjustments aren't in place for them, will be they will just survive they will be in fight or flight the whole time in the classroom surviving the noises the people around them that person's walking towards us i can't remember i don't know what they've said and they're going to ask us to do something so they'll either so i've got a mixture between my three they'll either do something that will get them out of that classroom as fast as possible 
mm. kick a bin over, do something silly, um, or they'll just kind of shut. They'll just shut down, or they'll or they'll power through and do what they think they're meant to do, and then that is when you may because you've got such a mixture, a child who's very difficult to contain, a child who's under your radar, don't even know that they're struggling. And do you then, know of anyone who's who's got it and it's actually high functioning out there in society? Yeah. 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 There's a, um, I don't know the name of them, but I know that there is a. Um, now these guys have been diagnosed. Newcastle Uni. There is a maths. Yeah, there's someone at New who works at Newcastle Uni. There, there are definitely are people out there because so because this is the thing. It's, you know, you can have ton. It brings tons of strengths with it. A dead, dead creative mind because. Our kids, because their brains have, have developed in a different way and the connections haven't gone the right way, they're so clever because to get from A to B, they have to work out how to do it. So they naturally become creative and they will look at a situation and be like, that's why that's not working. And you know, my, my eldest son, like, he's got an engineering mind, but he can not function in a classroom and it's so sad. He's so brilliantly clever and he can't function in a classroom. Mm. Um, you know, so we can't pull that learning out well, of him. You, yeah. you know, Steve comes to mind. Well, one thing I was just going to say, sorry, is, is okay. you know, to job we were chatting before, um, and, you know, we talk about how it affects the wider population, will there be celebrities potentially with this? So, obviously we know that there are um, celebrities with Asperger's or autism. Mm -hmm. Now, what you were indicating that the actual scale of, of, of people that could be affected by FASD, what was the figure you were talking about in terms of autism versus FASD diagnosis from, from your experience? Well, there's, expectations? Yeah, there's, there's a few answers there yeah. and I wish it was a straightforward one um, because we don't, we don't really have numbers for the UK. So the, the prevalence uh, study that was done by Sharon McGuire that was, that was published 2019 um, she did a, a screening study of a population sample and her figures came to potentially between 6 and 17% of the population, of the general population. And we're thinking, you see autism, so, sometimes it's around 12%, I think this is. Autism, it's, it's a, yeah, around so 1 in 100 problem than yeah. well, not problem much wider condition yeah. because the, there's the, 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 one of the big yeah. issues is misdiagnosis yeah. Yeah. we so have, you may be diagnosed by we have, by a doctor with yeah. ADHD and we, actually yeah. we've, got, we've yeah. got hundreds of thousands of children in this country well, it, diagnosed with ADHD ASD yeah. autism and that's not what it is can I ask them a question I mean isn't just isn't this just then a question of you know the title that we're giving a particular thing because if if you've been if if you say that the traits of a child with uh, are suffering from FASD mm -hmm. um, is very similar, yeah, almost identical yeah. to that mm -hmm. of which a, a, a hyperactive child may mm -hmm. be experiencing or, or exhibiting, isn't necessarily like the, the the way that you potentially, I guess, aid learning or or engage in kind of day-to-day -day So kind of like, what does the actual so label of the diagnosis Will that make any difference? Yeah. I think you know? with FASD, it, it does because there are some things specific to FASD. What's that something? Time. So time. Concept of time. Telling the time. Money. The concept of time and money. They are specific to FASD. And the need for social interaction. And how, so that's not different from, from a it's, child that's, that's got ADHD, for example. 
what the like no, no concept of time yeah I think that, that that's a very strong element to yeah. understand. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just trying to get to because there'll be people out there listening or watching us and thinking, well, you're saying that it's just like AD, so, ADD or ODD or or PDA or or it's actually very much like autism. Aren't we then just aren't you perhaps just trying to come up with a new name? No, because for something that exists. There? All the there's a lot of physical things. So um, isn't I, the, isn't then sorry to jump in? I'm just trying to get to the bottom of it because I know yeah. there'll be people thinking about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, isn't just what you're doing then is identifying the, the the you know the stem, you know the start, the initiation of that particular. ADD type problem, but instead of saying that this is a neurological dysfunction or 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 diversity, you're saying actually that doesn't come from that. That comes from from mm-hmm. alcohol, mm-hmm. but it actually gets to the same point. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you might have a child who's who's I guess the DNA makeup um, kind of leads to having I guess a bit like me. You know, predisposed to being hyperactive. When I look at my my dad, I can see so many of his traits in me, and vice versa. My mum never drunk, but it could be that I could be a child of a of a mother who drank alcohol mm-hmm. during pregnancy, and therefore I'm showing exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. But actually, all that I'm looking at here is the the start of that particular condition, rather than a different condition. It stem from, yeah. Is it a different condition, or is it just stemming from a different sort of set of circumstances? It's a different condition entirely. A lot of the symptoms are very, very similar. FES, FESD comes with a lot of physical problems, mm-hmm. physical health problems, heart murmurs, hearing problems, dental problems, mm-hmm. hypermobility. Are they a blueprints of the condition? Yeah, there's, mm-hmm. there's, it's all, there's over 200 symptoms of the condition and because it's a spectrum you could have all of them severely you could have a handful of them and that's how quite often you know you might have a child born with um they're asthmatic Mm -hmm. and they need glasses and they've maybe got the the teeth are a little bit weak and um, you know nobody would ever really suspect that that was caused through alcohol consumption during mm-hmm. a pregnancy, you know, at, at a very moderate level, mm-hmm. um, and you know, quite often, you know, th- those we don't need to unpick those cases. But what we need to do is to be looking through an FASD lens when we either know that it's there yeah. or there's a probability that that's what it is. Right. Okay. So I'm trying to trying to get get to like this crystallized sort of um, I guess understanding of what it is. So you're saying to me that actually on the outset it looks like the likes of, um, I guess, hyperactive disorders or mm-hmm. oppositional type, type mm-hmm. things yeah. may, may appear as developmental delay, mm-hmm. yeah. but actually on top of those behavioural exhibits, there'll be other physical and yeah. physiological yeah. things yeah. that will accompany that. And that's what distinguishes yeah. um, FASD yeah. to every other condition yeah. that may be like that. Uh-huh. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're doing a PhD on that? Yes. Can you tell me on that, as in, what is that that you're looking at in particular? Can we go into that a little bit? Yes. Would you like to do that? <laughs> we can, yeah. I'm just trying to understand, yeah. you know, do, do we have amongst us here, um, you know, some kind of commentary around, you know, what kind of areas of the brain it affects and, you know, how, how does it play out neurologically in a child's? Well... Because it's a spectrum, Mm -hmm. we do know, but there's so much variation. So much variation. Talk me through some... So even neurologically, we can't say this area of the brain will always be impacted. 
executive functioning executive functioning yeah is a very very common so executive function okay. is normally developed like later in, from from like to to a great extent you know in your in your late childhood years into your teenage years um okay. how how would that kind of match up with a child diagnosed with something that um one of the things we didn't actually touch on when Claire was talking about the, the examples in a classroom setting was short-term memory. Okay. Mm. Problems with short-term memory. So you've got the problems of you know, possibly being hyperactive, inattentive, um, overwhelmed and distracted, all these sensory things within the classroom, hearing only every third word that the teacher's telling you in addition to short-term memory problems. Mm. And the, sh the short-term memory problems, actually, I don't know, I didn't think of that. They are really real because um, I had an example with my eldest son where he'd done some maths work. He had done it. It was his writing. He could see it. And two days later, he was back in that maths lesson. And he said it felt like he had dementia. It really scared him because he could not do it again. The teacher was getting very, very cross and frustrated mm. with him because they had seen him do it. That was his writing. They'd seen him do it two days before. And it's, it's, it's things like that. that yeah, I mean, I was a... I'm not saying that I've got it. My mum did not drink whilst I was pregnant. I checked it with her. However, I have so many of these traits. Like, I was up in, uh, up a mountain somewhere yesterday and I uh, forgot to, you know... Uh, a particular piece of thing so as we got down we checked all of our gear and I now know that I forgot it because I was the one using it but I have zero recollection of actually leaving that and it picked up everything every every single other bit of equipment that we needed on our sense um, so yeah so let's talk a bit more about um, the world of education and FAST. I'm just trying to make some links here, you see, trying to make these connections. And I'm thinking, we at Nudge Education, we work with anyone and everyone who's become chronically disengaged from education, and that often presents as withdrawal or refusal, or I guess they've worked their ticket, you know, I guess long enough that they get excluded. And that's exactly the result that they wanted anyway. Mm -hmm. Therefore, as a direct result of being disconnected from that social ecosystem, they begin to lose that ability to dream up a life that's worth living, as we, as we say here. Um, there's a substantial amount of young people that we work with that are coming from the care sector. Is there a direct link? Do you think that there's a greater number of young people who are suffering from this condition that is coming from a from, from particular type of background, or is that something that is seen across the board? I think it's... Will we have more provision for, for those kids whose families are uh, better structured to cope with that? Or... Well, there's not, there's, there's not, there isn't, an, there, there isn't enough provision. There is very little provision for FASD, and that's why that we're, we're doing this to start and create it. Um, there is a huge, huge prevalence of children in the looked after system and previously looked after who have been exposed to alcohol. Sometimes they will live the whole lives, never been diagnosed. If you know, because the criteria for diagnosis is about a change with with the new nice quality standards coming out, but. The, um, you know, if it wasn't documented in records, physically documented with written proof, um, even if professionals knew if it wasn't documented, there would be no diagnosis. Um, there is a certain diagnosis, isn't there? We're looking at a particular profile of a student today who was diagnosed with fetal alcohol... Syndrome. 
That's where the physical features. So this is about the physical features? Yeah, yeah. Okay. They're solely physical. Facial features that can come with this prenatal alcohol exposure and typically with an FAS diagnosis can only be as a result of alcohol exposure. Hmm. They cannot be due to anything else. It's mm-hmm. undeniable. And that, that, is, that is, I guess, the, the, the easy to see, so to yes. speak. And, but also, I'll tell you something interesting with regards to FES and education. I had a conversation um, a few years ago with a geneticist, very well-renowned, really, really um, excellent in his field, and he was learning more and more about FESD, and his view at that time was a diagnosis of FES means you are written off in education. And it would put, so the a diagnosis of FAS to him was so final mm-hmm. and so severe that he his feelings were you would be written off in education. Like, there's absolutely no point putting provision there. Mm-hmm. So it's quite archaic, that yeah, and and, and, and that all was still and, and so to be I find fair, that really difficult to, to but to be fair to, to the professionals because. But that was the truth, Diego. Mm-hmm. That was the truth. If that diagnosis was given, that was carte blanche for a lot of services to be like, oh, there's, mm-hmm. there's no point cutting that. I remember actually in there. that triggers something. I remember I used to work uh, within social welfare, and I remember the referrals that used to come from the job centre, you get additional information about who these clients were. And you would see quite a lot of people coming through with fatal alcohol. And, and, that was all the that was all the mm-hmm. information you were given, and at the time I didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, why is this on this person's information from, from the job centre? Okay. But this would tr- this would tie in with the fact is that it's a label that's going to stick with you for a long time, mm-hmm. usually in negative mm-hmm. circumstances. So, yeah. And so, it tends to be the more extreme end of the mm-hmm. spectrum if you've got those yeah yeah physical features. Yeah. However. And I, I think this is fairly new understanding. There's a window during pregnancy, and I, I think it's week six to eight. Uh-huh. It's about 11 days long or something, yeah. isn't it? Mm. Where if you're exposed to alcohol, it will result in those facial features. And that's so the facial time. development of the fetus mm-hmm. only takes place within this 11 day mm-hmm. window. Yeah. So then those, those odds just tell so, you that, that so that's slim to none have those facial features mm-hmm. anyway. Yes. Going back to what you're saying, Brian, so. Technically, I guess if we if we use like very basic logic here, simple. What we're looking at is undiagnosed sort of difficulties that came from a particular sort of engagement with alcohol during pregnancy, then struggle to engage with education, marginalisation, welfare dependency. So this is is that a fair sort of analysis mm-hmm. to yeah. make? It sounds really simplistic. Yeah. No, and they are more susceptible to. Um substance misuse and, and addictions as well so you know if you bring that into what you were just saying as I'd, well. love, I'd love us to pick up on some of these tiny little things but can I just ask things. like in this basic introduction to the whole world of there's a couple more points I'd like to pick up on what kind of help can we can we offer you know not as not as an organization not as an education but I guess we're doing this already mm-hmm. I mean in terms of what hope is there for, for children, for, for parents, children, and perhaps even adults who are struggling with mm-hmm. FASD? Mm-hmm. And then to, to summarise it, what is, what is the mood? What is the national mood currently around this? Perhaps we can talk about the nice thing, yeah, the nice, nice thing. Uh-huh. Can, we, can we start with mm-hmm. what kind of help is there, Jessica? What can, what can we do? What can we do? I think there's 
Parents, children, a few professionals. There's a few things. Go. Yeah. One, as a wider society, we need to recognise this condition and be aware of it. Hmm. That's it. Like, very, very basic level, become aware of it the same way we are autism. What, what are the problems with recognition then? Why it isn't recognised. Why, yeah. I think it comes back to the stigma. stigma. It's the stigma because alcohol is so accepted and so widely used in society that you consider something so normal. If you turned around and said to somebody that, you know, you orange juice is going to cause you damage, you'd stop, mm. you know, yeah. you'd stop drinking that. How's you'd that been, disconnect yeah. with that. But it's not, it's about like this whole lifestyle of I mean, like Claire, going out you, for a drink. When, and, we first, when we first met <laughs> and, you know, you said you've obviously got three children with FASD and, the, the reaction that gets from people before they, you know, uh, learn the full uh, story and, and is, it's human is quite... Na- it's human nature and we just need, we just need to be rid of that because I don't know uh, a mother on this planet who would purposefully... There's a reason behind everything that happens. Mm-hmm. There isn't a mother on this planet who would purposefully do mm-hmm. this to, to, to their child. Yeah. Absolutely not. Even in the darkest place where there's addiction... Somebody, and, uh... Yeah, there's a reason behind it all. So we need to just rid... You know, there's no stigma around diabetes, around epilepsy. You know, it's accepted. That's what it is. So we need, and, and because there is, come back to your question. There's tons of hope. Absolutely, tons of hope. You know, there there is absolutely. Give no us some. Give us, can you both give us some? I mean, sorry, I kind of diverted us there, but you were on the on the route of telling us what 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 can we do about this? So recognizing mm-hmm. is what Recognizing it. Recognizing it, and with recognition, I think the stigma will start to evolve mm-hmm. it won't be gone but yeah. it will it will start to um because it feels quite weighty you know. doesn't it once if you say well i have oh, a couple yeah. glass of wine <laughs> now my child can't engage in education mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. or my child ta- my child's attention capacity has been reduced or my child's actually got deformed deformed facial features or unusual facial mm-hmm. facial features so I can understand how that would sit quite heavy with some people. Oh, absolutely. And is that so? Do you think that that's solely one of the one of the main reasons why that's not recognised? Is there no, no like, I guess, um, I, I guess intellectual competition with potential definitions of what it I is? I think or? I think one of the big problems is it is so staggeringly enormous. It is it is like a hidden epidemic, and it, it's and I think that the the there's a fear of starting to unpick this and having to recognise it and deal with it is, is, you know, maybe dawns a lot of people, dawns a lot of services. Um, So recognition is one. Yeah. What can we do to professionals? Like, we have in excess of 150 education professionals working across the country. As you know, in fact, Mm -hmm. we work with a couple of your children. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how we, you know... This the whole thing happened, isn't it? It's like a, yeah. this organic sort of uh, yeah. nice and fluid world of friendship <laughs> within the generation, which we love. Um, so, let's talk about professionals. What can professionals so, do about getting becoming more equipped to deal with that? Just gain gain more knowledge. Accept that it's real. Gain more knowledge and try and you know. I think a lot of a lot of stigma professionals suffer themselves from a lot of people are really reluctant to even diagnose because mm. it's a conversation they don't want to have with a mother they don't they don't want to have it they don't want to suggest practically this speaking is claire is a child is a, an, an educator teacher whoever it is uh, working with a child diagnosed with their fas or fasd mm-hmm. um are the potential techniques that we would work with say a child with developmental delay or 
child that has ADHD, will those techniques sort of work for these, for these kids? Yeah. Yeah. yeah a lot, there's a lot of crossover. Yeah, there are. One of the one of the struggles. All distinguished. What is the key thing that's different? So the, this and this is the frustrating thing, and this is why it's, it, this is why it can sometimes feel a bit daunting. So a child might have um, a, a teaching support assistant in class. They've got an EHCP. It's diagnosed, and they've got their support. And what works for three months will stop working one day nobody will know why and it can become really frustrating the professional feels like they're doing it wrong we don't know the answer nobody knows the answer to so why so we need some sort of academic inquiry into that right yeah, nobody nobody knows that the answer to why that happens yeah. and something yeah. that's worked perfectly so you've got to learn to pivot and you know i, I was you know had a, a a mainstream school which was fantastic but unsustainable i would have the deputy head on the phone to me at 10 o'clock Every, every night, time. every night, every night yeah. right, what we're going to do tomorrow, this is what I'm thinking, if we do that and if we avoid that corridor because of the night, and, and so it was brilliant that I'd reached that point with them, yeah. but unsustainable, mm-hmm. ah, it, was, it was killing her. Yeah. If you're talking about the numbers, potentially, mm-hmm. you know, a school wouldn't be set up to support Absolutely a vast not. number of yeah. young people, unless they change uh-huh. or they can adapt. And it's all about the sensory environment for yeah. kids with FASD. It's, yeah. if, you, if you're only going to adjust one thing, it's that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the not having the sensory overload, the noise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the visuals. The visuals. Think about mainstream schools, primary schools in particular. Oh, it's so just, long. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I get overwhelmed. I, I was going to say, like, I get overwhelmed yeah. most of the time. Yeah. Me and Brian, we have this thing when we're working here and you've got, like, I don't know, 4K managers, mm-hmm. you've got Sarah, you've got everybody, it's mm-hmm. like a busy little space. And I feel like I just need to put my headphones, no music. So I can uh, I can kind of empathise. And if a child doesn't know that that's a potential yeah. Yeah, thing that you can do just to soothe yeah. some of it's those. It's such a scary feeling for them because it's just, it just this panic and this feeling of, oh, I don't know what's happening. Just like a huge big knot in the chest. And if you're looking at looked after children and previously looked after children, so you're looking at attachment problems, mm-hmm. developmental trauma. That is a whole other level mm. of of complex for them to have to try and navigate. Aren't, yeah. So and 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 quite often, mm. quite often, when you are looking at FASD, you are looking at those other two things when it comes to numbers. And I guess it must make consistency, especially if you have a child that moves around care settings, because if something works for three months and then stops working, yeah. if yeah. somebody's reading the notes from three yeah. months ago, yeah. they're going to wonder why yeah. this is not, you know. Uh-huh. So it must be and, quite and frustrating. So, so I, re- I remember, um, I can't remember exactly what the statistics were, but kind of. Uh, 10 years ago a professional said to me that um, they gave us a, a stat that, that terrified us about the chances of my sons ending up in the judicial system and that was just having been in the case system at some point so that's what fueled me from that day mm. I was like they're going to be in this tiny percentage that it's not going to happen oh, with. Yeah. but when you throw FASD into the mix it, it, it's mm, even greater and where it all hinges and that's what this is all about and that's why I choose to to want to give my time to this, mm-hmm. it all hinges on disengagement with education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. All of it. Well, education isn't isn't school though, is it? I know it sounds really uh-huh. cheesy, but it's this it's this rich, bold, on mm-hmm. ever blossoming flower of curiosity. Mm-hmm. I like uh-huh. to think about it. That's yeah. what I see. Yeah. You know, and disengaging with that, you're basically in an arid, dry. Mm. Sort of land where really, there's no really life, sad, but also sad you're, you're alone, though, yeah, aren't you? Absolutely. Because you know, and that's you when you, you, yeah. you end up dealing with mental health problems. With, with well, like with I, I'd argue, I'm not sure what you think, Brian. I'd probably argue that I don't know, probably 85% of the children and young people we work with 
suffer from a thing called social isolation that is actually yeah. not very much spoken about. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, all it takes is as adults realizing what it's like to suffer from anxiety and being mm-hmm. there alone, uh-huh. alone there, for you to understand yeah. what, it, mm-hmm. what it takes. And I think, so. I think the pandemic has of given us, the, the pandemic that we're living COVID, in the minute, yeah. yeah, has given us an opportunity because we're systems and structures and certainly the education system was very rigid and this is the shape of the box and if we need to snap parts of your children off to fit them in that's what mm. we're going to do overnight it's had to be creative yeah, we can do online it doesn't need to look like and i just think yeah. i think certainly sen education should not and i don't think it will ever go back to you know we've realized it does not need to look like five days inside four walls yeah. it doesn't and we've proven that oh. and the president for any, said, yeah for anyone with any any tiny little amount of hyperactivity and clearly i haven't um being being within four walls eventually you you disappear into this world yeah. of like fuzz mm-hmm. like do you know what i mean it's like mm-hmm. you were there every now and then i say to brian oh i've just realized i'm here brian's like Oh, that's a bit dangerous. <laughs> um, you know, like don't do that driving kind of thing. You know? But no, but I imagine that to John. I think we should kind of bring it to a closure. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been fantastic talking talking to you. Um, I do have one one final question. If there is one thing to take away from this introduction, you know, for somebody who's just realised that you know that there are far more children being affected by the even the smallest consumption ever of alcohol during pregnancy and to the most, I guess, chronic consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you be telling people who may suspect that children have FASD? What would be the final words? What, what to, to people who... Anyone. Uh, yeah. Whether you've got a child that you're teaching, whether you're the mother of a child, there may be a mother who's a teacher who also has a child yeah. who may... Well, my, my advice would be that it, it is nothing at all to be scared of. Nothing at all to be scared of. Because there are there are so many techniques, um, you just need to change the environment. You wouldn't. You might be a little bit sad and worried, but you wouldn't be scared if you had an epileptic child or a diabetic child. You would adjust yeah. the situation for them to and live their life. Because I, because I am that mother, yeah. and I have created a life for my children. To I've created a life at home for them to thrive in. But I have had to protect them from education. Do they know was, they have it? Yeah, absolutely. They yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they do. Interesting. Perhaps I, talk to them and see what yeah, they, they, life is like for them. Yeah, they, well, my eldest son will describe it like having dementia. Um, and my daughter is brilliant. We've got a dictionary. We've nearly got a dictionary written of the physical feelings and the descriptions of it. And she can now... She will um, translate and she'll say to me, he's starting to get fizzy. I can see he's starting to get fizzy. You know, to, and it'll be like, turn that noise off or put the dog over there. She knows what's going to trigger him. Mm. And we don't want to trigger all six foot of him. Um, <laughs> six foot <of> <laughs> That's middle boy. What about you, Jessica? Like, potentially around the diagnosis, you know, I mean... I would say there is no... Or there certainly shouldn't be, and I understand there is at this point, but there should not be any guilt or any shame because as Claire said nobody intentionally hurts their child and we didn't know I think that's the biggest thing we didn't know if if your health professionals are still saying oh it's just a glass of wine it, it'll be okay and you know really relaxed you don't know 
Mm. So how can you feel guilty about it? Mm. Yeah. But you should you prescribe like, Guinness, isn't it, for exactly. people pregnant, you know? We, so we nice. talk, one of the examples that we... Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, do you know what I was thinking? I was thinking, could, keep them pregnant. Stout. Yeah. Stout. could there have been far more children <laughs> suffering from the symptoms of, of FASD? I guess back in the day, when oh. drinking during pregnancy... Well, we, we, we've been taught... We're, this is, I was just this thinking is about historically... This is all of the episode, yeah. And are we moving yeah. towards perhaps oh, that's yeah, a good we'll one? Are we moving towards the eradication special, of that disease episode. potentially so there's, there's as whole, people stop drinking? Lots of different episodes to cover Fantastic. all of those yeah. things. Well, it's yes. been great, hasn't it, Brian? <laughs> yes. Thank like you very much for coming like, in. And we look these are friends. These are like these aren't just absolute experts in their fields. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast, um, webcast, whatever it is. Um, have you enjoyed it, Josh? From there. <laughs> well, there's Josh in the background there, in yeah. case. Um, and yeah, we'll catch you sometime soon. Yeah, Thank you. See you. Bye. Thank you.